Hello, and welcome to episode 155 of Public Interest Podcast with your host, Jordan Cooper, where we interview politicians, activists, advocates, and others who seek to improve the state of the world. We're here today with Ananda Block, Community President of the International Society for Krishna Consciousness, also known as ISKCON, of the Washington, D.C. metropolitan area. Ananda is also a blogger and podcast host for ISKCONofDC.org, which is also available on SoundCloud. We're also here today with Giri Gavardhan, who is a Hare Krishna priest and a former temple president in the Detroit ISKCON temple. Ananda, Giri, how are you doing today? Oh, very well, thank you. Excellent. Thank you. The first question I'd like to pose to you, Ananda, is what are you currently doing or what have you ever done to advance the public interest and why? That's a nice, easy question to start with. <laughs> um... Well, ever since I was a child, I think I was really interested in the question of why there was so much suffering in the world and, and how could I end that suffering, or how could I help relieve that suffering. Being born in Ireland during the time of the Troubles, uh, the, the war in Northern Ireland, mm-hmm. um, uh, it seemed to me there was just so much senseless and needless pain that we caused each other's each other as human beings and so that was one of the driving questions in my life why do some people suffer terribly and others not mm-hmm. and so over the years I've been so involved in other things before I met uh, and started practicing the philosophy of Krishna consciousness and what I've come to understand is that when we can educate people to have a deeper and broader outlook on life mm-hmm. and on each other. Mm-hmm. Um, Samadarshana is one of the values of the Gita. Uh, this concept of choice is another value of the Gita that can help people um, address life and their own particular problems and issues, as well as neighborhood and 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 social and city problems. Um, it's providing tools for them to do that. And I think the practice of bhakti and the practice of study of philosophy and, and to help people think philosophically or think deeper about this whole idea of consciousness and the, the body, the changing body, the sense of self within, I think these are vital, vital pieces of information to make available to people so that they themselves can, can, can set their world. Sure. Straight. So, Giri, you're a priest here at the Hare Krishna Temple, and I've heard you speak about consciousness to your congregation. Can you speak for a moment about why consciousness is important or what it is that you're trying to convey generally to your congregation while you're, you're in front of the congregation? Well, I guess the, the core teaching that we have mm-hmm. is, is that every, every person yeah. is, a, is a, a, a whole, complete Fully satisfied spirit. Hmm. Now, in our in our day day to day life, mm-hmm. we don't experience ourselves that way. We're not very satisfied. We don't feel complete. We feel also like we've been injured and damaged, and we carry lots of emotional baggage with us. Mm-hmm. But at our at our core, at mm-hmm. the root, mm-hmm. we are untouched by all the things we've been through. We're, we're still whole, hmm. and so we're filled with joy. Mm-hmm. And so, the, the the spiritual disciplines we practice is trying to connect ourselves with that. So. Why would you suppose if we naturally, if our spirits are naturally joyful, that we are 
often having difficulty trying to actualize that joy in life. What is it um, that prevents us? And what is it about Hare Krishna um, that actually helps lead followers down the path to see that joy and, and become more sp- spiritually fulfilled? Because mm-hmm. generally we're distracted by the externals. And that, that's, that's the problem with it. We, even, uh, uh, well, example I think give is that if we, if we read a book mm-hmm. or we watch a movie, mm-hmm. even though we're not physically connected with those things, mm-hmm. we feel emotion. We mm-hmm. feel excitement. We feel, yeah. and so in, in, in the same way, we're turning outward rather than inward. Mm-hmm. And so we get we get uh, we, we develop different addictions. Right. We, think, we think that our happiness is going to come from without, and so the, the distraction keeps us from understanding our core essence. And so generally, even in all in so many different spiritual disciplines, it takes some effort to to remember our our real nature. Right? So, Ananda, coming back to you. There's a concept in Hare Krishna where I believe, and perhaps you can explain this more, light, the spirit doesn't end with death or begin with birth, and that you may um, be reincarnated in different ways, or you currently may be a reincarnation of something else previously. And I guess um, if you can speak about that within the context of what Giri was just saying, which is, the point of life or the point of existence, if that's different. And we were, Gary was just mentioning uh, that happiness can be found within. Is is the point to find happiness? And if so, how is that related to this concept of reincarnation, if that's important to Hare Krishna? Good question. Um, reincarnation and the journey of the soul is, is a very common theme or principle for all Eastern Eastern. Uh, philosophies, um, the idea is that the body is always changing. Right? You're born, you grow old, you produce some children, and you know, grow older and mm-hmm. eventually die. And so, from the onset, and this is the first principle that Krishna talks about in the Bhagavad Gita, is that a wise man knows that the body is always changing, but that the soul doesn't change. And mm-hmm. so, at the time of death, it's like taking off one. Uh, some clothing mm-hmm. uh, and, and then uh, you get another body mm-hmm. which is like just putting on some fresh clothing so the, the soul is stuck in the cycle of birth and death called in Sanskrit samsara mm-hmm. and the goal of life is actually to break this cycle because we're stuck here because of our misidentification with the body we are searching for love we are searching for happiness mm-hmm. happiness comes to us in different ways um, and the journey of how the soul got embodied, of course, that would be a whole other podcast. Yeah. But um, it's, 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 again, it's the, it's the eternal temporary idea. That consciousness, which um, is what we would say, consciousness indicates the presence of the soul and that the soul is an individual. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I have my body, you have your body and, Giri has his body, but within that, what animates this body, which is really just clothing over the soul, Mm -hmm. is this consciousness, this life force. And this life force Mm -hmm. is spiritual by nature and belongs to a spiritual world. And so the goal of life is to realize that life force. And in Krishna consciousness, we realize that in relationship with Krishna. So self-realization for us really means realizing our relationship with Krishna. 
And like the sun in the morning, when the sun rises, we see things. Mm -hmm. And so when we can reawaken or reconnect with our kind of long-lost relationship with God, with Krishna, then it's like bringing a lot of sunshine into our life. And then we begin to see who we truly are as our, as our, as our real self, that soul beyond the body, beyond the changing body. So you said that the soul belongs to a spiritual world. Did you insinuate that that's a different world than this one? Mm -hmm. yes. So there's a difference between the physical and the spiritual world, and the goal is to join God in a spiritual world? That's true. That is the goal. And so you're trying to break a cycle of reincarnation. So is it, so it seems as though, is it a sense of, of despair? When you have death, is that... Is that sorrowful or not? So is is it sorrowful or, or is it happy? Like maybe they broke the the cycle this time, or how do you feel with the different stages of life? It seems quite quite a unique perspective. Do you want to take that? Yeah, I guess we approach death a different way because if you, if you think that life continues, yeah, and so I guess depending upon the level of spiritual development, you either you can feel very happy if if someone that you think has a real chance of, of breaking that cycle and, mm -hmm. and going back to their eternal place right that's 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 a cause for celebration and how would you that. know if they succeeded oh well you wouldn't know you wouldn't necessarily know but right. you, you can i guess you can there's by, by by judging by the person's you know life and and, and their behavior you, you can tell when somebody becomes more filled with, with with light and love so sometimes you can you can infer that there's a good chance so how did we know that Hare krishna was able to success to successfully break the cycle or did he well, Krishna is a, Hare Krishna is just is a mantra. Is that, Krishna is God's name. Okay. It's just a Sanskrit word which describes God, which means the all-attractive one. Okay. So Hare Krishna, Hare is like a call. It's like O Krishna. Okay. Just as the internal uh, female energy of the Lord, of the Supreme. So Hare Krishna is a, both a name for God, but it's a process of, of, of connecting. Interesting. Through reciting a sacred name. And by reciting sacred uh, or doing sacred prayer, mm -hmm. then it, I, it's like water to a plant. It nourishes the soul. Right. Um, but I was just remembering when I was there talking about, you know, the joy at the time of death, which is, which is it's kind of mixed because there's also a sadness when someone near and dear for you, from you is leaving. But I was there with my mother when she was passing away. My mother is, is a very pious Irish Catholic her whole life. And... Um, I was there with her, and my sister was there with her. When she, at the moment she was passing, my sister was reciting prayers, and I was reciting um, the Krishna mantra. And, and she, she left, and I felt, I actually felt great joy, because the end of her life was really auspicious. There was a lot of sacred energy happening at that moment when that soul was leaving the body. Mm -hmm. So even though I missed her, and obviously she was suffering from cancer, so she was suffering a lot, so there's also that sense of, well, her suffering's ended. But I actually felt, yes. That, that that very important moment, and I don't think we think about this enough, this very important moment when the soul is leaving the body, if you can create around it an atmosphere that's helpful for that soul's journey upward, mm -hmm. as we would say, or spiritual journey, then that's a successful transition. Because you're going to die anyway. We're all going to die mm -hmm. sooner or later. And the more we can prepare for it and to try to create in our life situations that will be with us or surrounded with us at the time of death, mm -hmm. then that to us would be a very successful, not only life, but 
death. And we don't, you know, we say death, but really you don't die. You just leave the body. It's an eternal spirit that has only an ephemeral shell, which is your body. Yes. So I'd like to transition for a moment to more personal journeys that you've taken throughout your life with this particular body. Um, Just building off what you said for a moment, Ananda, and then we'll get back to you, Jiri. You mentioned that your mother was, I'm not sure if you use the word, a devout Irish Catholic. Yes. So what was her take and your family's take when you decided that really it wasn't the Catholic Church that was nourishing your soul, but it was the Hare Krishna faith that really was calling to you? How did your family react to that decision? It took them a while, uh, particularly my mother and father. But um, for me, I got so much from my childhood and so much from my parents and, and so much from Catholicism, and I still do. Mm-hmm. And when I read the Bhagavad Gita, it gave me so much insight, not only into this practice of Christian consciousness, but into the whole practice of religions in general, and particularly the religion I was raised with, which was Catholicism, Mm -hmm. which is also very much filled with the idea of bhakti, and that you love and serve, Mm -hmm. and that relationships with God shouldn't be one of fear, but should be one of love. And so, um, you know, my mother, my parents... um, could understand it to a certain level. My sister's Buddhist, so we have a bit of an eclectic family. Um, and the rest of them, as what my mother would say, would be lapsed Catholics. Uh, so they kind of just accepted it, you know, because I'm an adult and I wasn't going to, right. you know, I ultimately didn't care. But over the years, they could actually see, and it was really interesting, at my mother's time of death, I was a lot more comfortable with the process of death and dying than mm-hmm. everybody else was. And my father also noticed that. And they attributed that to my years of study of philosophy and of practice mantra chanting and of following the principles of this practice of bhakti yoga, which yoga really means to connect, right? The yoke. The word yoga is a Sanskrit word which mm-hmm. means to connect. The, the small soul connects with the great soul great spirit, great truth, Krishna, God. Right. So um, they could see that manifest in my life and in how I was able to um, be there for my mother. And I think they very much appreciated that. So, Jiria, are you from Michigan originally? Yes, I grew up in Michigan. Okay. And so, I guess, were you were you born into a Hare Krishna family? No, I was not. I Can you take a moment and tell your journey that led you to where you are today? Yeah, sure. I, I was raised in a, in a Protestant family. Mm-hmm. And uh, my my parents, they'd go to church regularly. They mm-hmm. weren't serious, you know, really, I'd say really uh, heavy-duty Christians. But, mm-hmm. uh, but they went to church regularly. We're good people. And, uh, but I... Uh, I became a little uh, disillusioned with, with the concept of religion, mm-hmm. uh, most because there was so much fighting between different religions. And hmm. it occurred to me at one point mm-hmm. that here I am, I was born in a certain place, mm-hmm. so I have my tradition, I have my holy book, I have the, the, the saints in my tradition. If I'd been born someplace else, mm-hmm. I, wouldn't be, I would be somebody else. Right. And so it, it, it may, it, somehow I thought either, either somehow there must be some legitimacy across religions, mm-hmm. Or, or that more, more likely than not, that religion was just an anachronism. Because huh. I didn't see how you could bridge that. And most religions didn't seem like they could bridge it either. They were fighting each other. So it didn't seem to be relevant to your, to your current well, I just, life. Yeah, I, just, I thought it was, I thought it was, I kind of accepted the modern paradigm of things that it was just kind of a, kind of a, a failed attempt at knowledge. That right. people were trying. But I said, otherwise, 
how, how can I be legitimate if it's just an accident of birth? Uh-huh. I would be some. I would be somebody else. I would, and I would believe in that faith. Right. And but then the two of them would disagree. Would fight over each other. So I said, either either somehow the different faiths have to be all legitimate in some way. Mm-hmm. And I didn't see how that was going to be accomplished. And, and this, it seemed like the faiths didn't think they could see how that was accomplished. Or or the other thing was maybe that none of them are true. Maybe it's just a, a an anachronism, no longer relevant. And, and so I, I I was going to what I was going to do is I was going to be a scientist. I thought that was the best. The best way we build knowledge slowly. Yeah. And so I, when I when I went to university, that's what I was going to do. And but I I, I found that pursuit. You know, like I, what happened to me actually is in my freshman year we we had a class called Great Books. Yeah. And uh, so we, we read so many of the classics all the way back from the ancient Greeks and all through the Middle Ages and things. And I was struck by works from thousands of years ago. Mm-hmm. How intelligent the people were. Yeah. Because the modern paradigm is partially predicated on, on the notion that people were just superstitious and not very clear thinking. Right. So there's a sense of a linear progression of yeah. time where we are now further so ahead. Much more advanced, and so you know, so people didn't understand what was you know, like they couldn't they couldn't distinguish truth from falsity. They just had superstitions and beliefs. Right. And I'm reading these these works, and these people are intelligent. They didn't sound a whole lot different than me. Yeah. And and so it opened my mind a little bit that maybe there's some traditional wisdom there. Mm-hmm. And uh, and one thing science doesn't do to do for you is because you know, that's why you have the humanities also is how do you how do you live as a, become a good person what is what does it mean to have good human relationships and mm-hmm. things and so I became interested a little bit in in uh, in spirituality and and at least at least the ancient wisdom that, that passed down through the ages. Which is just to interrupt for our listeners' sake. Do you have a sense of when Hare Krishna as a religion began? Because obviously we know that the Christian faith began about 2017 years ago. Do we have a sense of whether Hare Krishna is an older or a newer religion? It, well, the, the particular denomination mm-hmm. is about 500 years old. Okay. But it, it, it hooks into an older tradition than that. Mm-hmm. Whether they're the particular the particular form that we have where we're chanting and, mm-hmm. and, and, and focusing on that, that's coming from 500 years ago. And it comes from the Indian subcontinent it it and does. it's connected to other religions that are even older. Yes, that's true. Right, well, it's also connected to this body of works called the Vedas, uh-huh. which are considered some of the oldest teachings in the world. Huh. Date back, you know, thousands and thousands of years. Okay. At least 5,000, if not longer. So. It, it's it's rooted in a very ancient culture, a Vedic culture, which is a culture that really had a lot of, just like those other traditional cultures, you know, a lot of philosophy, a lot of thoughtfulness and reflection and contemplation at its core. Right. Right? Built around this idea that wisdom was a really, really important part of society, like Parks are really important park parts of a city. Sure. And today we find that you know nobody really kind of respects the wisdom teachers and the the, the old texts, but that is is a dangerous thing. Because You're talking about a growing goes, a growing tide of secularism. Well, not only secularism or vulgarity. Just, <laughs> you yeah. could say that. The wisdom. You know what I'm saying about okay. wisdom, where people are able to be mature and reflect on things and, and and it comes back again to humanity. I think they're the smartest people that ever lived, you know, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah. I think we're the, nobody's ever reached this level of sophistication or civilization before. So it sounds like there's some some element of humility in in your decision to move closer to the Hare Krishna faith. Maybe so. <laughs> <laughs> in, in our own personal lives. Well, it sounds like, but also at the same time, 
um, you mentioned that a lot of the elements that are attractive to you in spirituality are love and service. Mm. And, and I was wondering, now some of those elements, uh, individuals of the Catholic and various Protestant denominations would, would potentially argue that, that those uh, concepts are also virtues in those faiths. They are too, yeah. So I guess how is it that you found that, that, the, that was it, was it, how did you find that this was a transition that you needed to make, that you needed to find this spiritual fulfillment in this avenue as opposed to the one that was given to you? Or um, I found that, Geary, you really raised an interesting point, which is identity by birth versus making a conscious choice of adopting your identity. And maybe it's the idea, and, and I'd like you to offer your views on this, maybe it's the idea that it's not so much which identity you choose, but the active the act of actually actively selecting your identity and donning your cloak, not by virtue of your birth, but by virtue of your choice, that volition, um, perhaps that's what makes a choice more meaningful? It might. I, what I was looking for particularly, I, I looked through a lot of spiritual traditions when I became interested again. Mm-hmm. And I was looking for two things. Yeah, I was looking for a, a, a theology and a philosophy that would satisfy all of my many questions. Yes. And but I also, I was looking for something that was connected with personal transformation. Hmm. In in my in, in the church I grew up with, there there were, there were nice people, mm-hmm. and but the emphasis was more on just being nice people. Mm-hmm. And we can use more nice people in the world, but there there wasn't. And in Christianity, there is that that notion of, of personal transformation. But in the, the the place I grew up, it was more casual. Be good-hearted people, help each other. Nice. Right. Yeah. But I, I I thought that there there was a way to actually to to, to go deeper. And to have have a greater transformation, become a, a really a better person in, right. in a deeper level. And so I was looking for something that had both of those two things. Mm-hmm. And I, I found that in, in Hare Krishna. So that's what made me take it up. Perhaps either of you, I invite you to, to answer this, which is, to what extent was the transition from your previous faith identity to your current faith identity one of, would you describe it as one of relief, like you finally found what you were looking for, or one of anxiety? I don't know, you know, my family, how they're going to take this, or how would you describe what you were feeling when you realized that you needed to transition to this different identity? I felt it was connected, though, with, with because I'd, I'd read up more on Christianity when I was looking back into, into, into religion, and mm-hmm. so I, I, I thought that... Uh, that I was doing something that was in line with what Jesus wanted. You read things like the Sermon on the Mount and things like so that. So it's not a rejection. It wasn't of a rejection at all. But I, I, I thought it's like somehow, an addendum. Yeah. Some. Yeah. Somehow I felt that I could be more connected this way. And my my parents were were had an interesting attitude. They they, they were a little concerned mm-hmm. at first, but ultimately they said, "Well, if if you really believe in it, they trusted me." Yeah. They, said, they thought if if it wasn't the right thing, I wouldn't choose it. Right. They had a lot of faith in me, actually. And huh. then they met some of the people, yeah. and they were satisfied. Interesting. Yeah. I want to return to the topic of faith in you versus faith in a higher being. But before we get to that, Ananda, it seemed like you wanted to say something about your own transformation and what you felt going through it. Um, yeah, I, I would definitely say I felt relief. Although, I mean, I had long, I, ha- I had for a number of years kind of just ignored Catholicism, basically, because mm-hmm. I found it. Uh, not at all answering some of the bigger questions I had. And so when I finally came across, and particularly the Gita was a book that really, really spoke to me. And one of the, the things that I, that I loved about it and was a turning point was this concept of karma. Mm-hmm. And I know people joke about karma a lot, and it's like your dogma is caught up with your karma or whatever. But this idea that 
you know, why, for example, is somebody born um, and dies young and mm-hmm. somebody else doesn't or somebody's born so so horribly poor mm-hmm. and somebody is just born out, outrageously and unfairly rich? And mm-hmm. these, these questions used to bother me. And then when I came across this, this notion of, of karma, that is the choices we have made in our life that end up... Um, kind of setting our future lives up and the sense of personal responsibility and it wasn't like there was this crazy god above who was just deciding well okay you get to be born with two fingers whereas somebody else gets to have all their fingers and this kind of arbitrary stuff but that we ourselves um were so involved in creating our own future by the the stuff we do and and the fairness of it all ultimately that hey if i do something good yeah it's naturally going to trigger good energy and i do something not good or mm-hmm. hurtful or painful to another, it will create hurt and pain back to me. And, you know, this on a scientific level, on a practical level, on a common sense level, made so much sense to me and really spoke to this idea of choice, which is another big value from the Bhagavad Gita, this, that we have choice. We have a choice to love or not. We have a choice in our relationship with God, but we have a choice in everything we do in the world. Limited choice. Mm-hmm. I can't say now... I'm going to choice, you know, tomorrow I'm going to choose to buy a Jaguar and I'm able to do that. <laughs> choice in the sense of yeah. I can choose my responses to life and I can choose how I can be nasty or nice, etc., etc., etc. And so that to me was a huge relief. It was just like, yes, I can actually, that makes sense. I can trust this. So on a, on a particular t- point you just raised, you said that you were a little bit discomfited by the idea that somebody might be born into abject poverty and someone else might be born into uh, extreme wealth and due to no fault of their own. But then you also mentioned the idea of reincarnation previously in this conversation and also that choices, there's a correlation between the choices you make in life and the fate that you have, which you referred to, I believe, as karma. So my question is, what would you say or what would the Hare Krishna faith say to the idea that an infant born into extreme wealth, which to the outside world may look like the result of their father or mother working hard, being successful and bequeathing that, Mm -hmm. to what extent is that wealth given to the infant? Because before the infant was born, the infant led a virtuous life. And alternately, would you say that someone born into abject poverty in a developing nation who dies at three years old because there's a high infant mortality rate kind of deserved that because they did not act in good faith in their previous um, life. And, of course, the corollary would be, well, if those were true, um, you know, you you wouldn't have too much sympathy for someone in a bad situation, and I wonder how that would affect empathy in the world. Yeah, and you bring up such a good point, and, and, and it certainly doesn't mean that you don't feel empathy, and certainly doesn't mean that... Um, you don't try to fix things mm-hmm. and make things better and stop suffering, but it just puts it in, at least it put it in a context for me that it wasn't, you know, some arbitrary thing, but that the person themselves were involved in, in, in somehow or other at mm-hmm. some point in this or other lives um, contributing to their present situation um, and not and, and and yet that this young child is born into a very well-to-do family it doesn't negate the fact that the parents may have worked hard or whatever gained this and that. So it's nuanced, it's complicated, and there are many factors contributing to it. Um, but it 
it, it really just puts a spotlight on the fact that we can choose and how we choose has a huge impact in our life. Would it be incorrect to blame a, an indigent person for their poverty? Here's, here's what I would say. That, that you, you, your circumstances are, are the result of your, your past karma, but also people not helping is their responsibility. So we have a collective responsibility to yeah. each other as yeah. members so, of society. So, so just because somebody is born in a certain situation, mm-hmm. right, doesn't mean we don't have an obligation to help them. Hmm. And if we don't, that's, that's, that's bad karma for us. I see. And so that we don't say, okay, you, you did something you know, bad in your past life, so now suffer. We don't want to see them suffer. We say that we can help you. So on the topic of motivation within this scheme I hear, am I motivated as a Hare Krishna to help that indigent person because it will, it will give me good karma and help me as a selfish act? Or am I helping that indigent person as an act of pure altruism because I have compassion and empathy given to me and facilitated by Hare Krishna and therefore I am going to love them. Which well, is Well, the latter is... Because so here's what happens. If, if, if you get in touch with your own, own spiritual self mm-hmm. and you, 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 you not only feel happiness but you, you feel love for others. Mm-hmm. And so I see others in a different way when I, when I have a deeper connection with myself. I see that you are the same thing. Mm-hmm. We're the same thing. I, I, it, says, it says in, in the Bhagavad Gita that, that, that a yogi who can see their own self, mm-hmm. then they, they can, by, by comparison to their own self, can see everybody else in the same way. Mm-hmm. So I see past all the externals. Mm-hmm. And I see that you are a, a divine spirit yourself. Mm-hmm. And so I feel a deeper connection with you. I see past all the externals. And so then there is this empathy. It's so you recognize the affinity in others, and you're not generally motivated by the idea that you'll have good karma because of that no, act. No. So there was, um, I just want to return... Um, to the topic that we spoke about a few minutes ago, which was faith in an individual versus faith in God. Just explore the nature of what that term faith really means. You said that your parents had faith in you, Jiri. I guess, to what extent would you say that is similar to or different from the faith that both of you have in in Hare Krishna? Hmm, I guess, well, they, they just, they knew me? It's like a trust. Yeah, they, they trusted. They, they, they trusted that I would make an intelligent decision. And so even if they didn't fully understand it, uh, they, they thought that I wouldn't make a bad decision. Yeah. And so, so they, they said, okay, we're, we're going to go with that and, and, and not be too upset. And then when they met the people that I was dealing with the, 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 in the temple, they felt even more reassured. But that was, that was their root thing. They said, well, we don't really understand it, so we can't really evaluate it that well. But we know you. Yeah. And I don't think you would you would dedicate yourself to something that would that wasn't solid. So, Ananda, on the topic of trust... To what extent do you feel as though you you trust Hare Krishna as a means of, or that you? Tr- I'm not sure if this even works for you, but do you trust Hare Krishna to take care of you, or do you trust trust the Hare Krishna community to to care? I guess do you trust that they make that the that God is making the right decisions? I'm trying to draw a parallel between the trust that um, Giri's parents had in him and his ability to make the right choices. And your, and and if there is any trust that you have in not only your ability to make the right choices, but in God's ability to make the right choices for you, um, and that yeah. is that faith. Yes. What is faith to you? <laughs> There's such a good question, questionnaire. Um, faith is 
on so many levels. In fact, there's a lovely definition of faith. Um, is means unflinching trust in something sublime. The founder of the Hare Krishna movement, uh, Srila Prabhupada, gave that nice definition of faith. And trusting in something sublime, and we would say that sublime, sublime being something superior and something um, higher and stronger and more powerful than us, God as the source of our life, and that we're, we're forever connected to him. And trusting, for us, it's not just trusting in the people in the community, but it's also trusting in the teachers and the teaching, and it's trusting in the process. Mm-hmm. So, for example, we'd be invited to chant this mantra, this Hare Krishna mantra, and you'll feel some happiness. Mm-hmm. You'll feel some um, deeper sense of satisfaction. Right. And so then you do it, and you feel it. And then you think, okay, I'm going to trust this a little bit more, and I'm going to study it a little bit more, and I'm going to practice it more. And is this helping me as an individual achieve what I have understood to be very important in life, which is to really find out who I am, where I'm going, and what life is all about? What's the point of it all? Mm -hmm. And so I trust at this point, because I've been practicing this practice for 35 years, and this practice seems to work for me. That doesn't mean other practices don't work for other people. Mm I don't think anybody has a monopoly of God, and I don't think God is so limited and, you know, small, small-minded. But that is it know, possible? There's the same God who's approaching uh, Aboriginal tribes with animist faith, and the Pope with the Catholic faith, and uh, an Imam with the the Muslim faith. Is it possible that the same source of the sublime is feeding these many different interpretations of how to access it? We would say yes. Yes. So, it's uh, like the sun, right? The sun, we don't say this is a Potomac sun, or we don't. Or this is an Indian sun if you're in India. We don't say this is Surya or whatever French word is for the sun. It's the sun. It's, it's, it shines on everyone. And so, so our problem on earth is just like, yeah, this is my God, or, and, you know, from my tribe or my group or my faith. Mm-hmm. But, you know, God more than anybody else is beyond that. Right. You know, we try to box them in, but good luck. And so, again, faith and and the nurturing of faith and the nurturing of wisdom. And, and faith is meant to make us better as humans, as well as helping us really, helping reveal or helping us understand intangible and practical and, and mystic. And mystic doesn't mean something, ooh, mystic actually means you experience it. You have a sense. You have a deep sense of that extraordinary relationship that's being offered to you by by God or by Krishna we would call him and you begin to actually feel it that's what it's called living you know <laughs> life so on you know continuing with the theme of living and needing to get on with our lives this is we are approaching the end of this episode and so I'd like to ask post both of you Ananda and Giri uh, final question. Um, I suppose I'll pose it first to Giri, which is, I guess I'd like to ask you to reflect on your life, uh, particularly with regards to Hare Krishna and how you've used your service within that faith to advance the public interest. How have you made other people's lives better? But more importantly, why have you made them better? What is your legacy that you hope to leave at the end of this life? Um, that will be a result of all your efforts. Well, uh, uh, I would like 
to help other people at least to have have the connection I have felt and mm-hmm. the total transformation I have. I have also hope for our organization. Hmm. We're kind of a, a, a newish organization at this point. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I think that, that uh, and I think we, we're also growing and maturing ourselves. Yeah. But I, ha- I have hope that we can be, that we can really be able to spread the kind of the, the light and the love that, 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 that we're, we're doing to some degree. But I, I think we can, we can be, be much better than we are. Hmm. And so I'm, I'm thinking that, that I'm trying to, I've been putting my efforts in, in, within this organization for, for most of my you know, adult years. Yeah. And I'm hoping that the people that come after me will, will be better than me mm-hmm. and, and, uh, and the organization will be better. And that I think we can, we can really make some real contribution to people. And Ananda? Um, I think our greatest contribution is the contribution of information or knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, when people are educated... We all know education changes and brings a better result. So when people have access to spiritual information and technique, techniques of spiritual life, um, you, it's like you can feed a, feed a man a fish or you can teach him how to fish. Mm-hmm. And so our hope would be that we're able to empower people to really take, uh, take their spiritual journey as a very... Um, important and valuable part of their life and that they are, they're able to balance their life out so that they have time for taking care of the body, taking care of the mind, taking care of neighbors. We, I'll end up with this thing. It's relationship. That these four relationships are really important in everybody's life. Relationship with God, relationship with your spiritual teacher who will help you practice, relationship with community, which would include family, mm-hmm. and then relationship with self. Hmm. So that has been Ananda Block, Community President of ISKCON, the International Society for Krishna Consciousness in Washington, D.C., a blogger and podcast host on uh, ISKCONofdc.org, and Giri Govardhan, a Hare Krishna priest and formal temple president in the in Detroit Iskon Temple. They speak of a uh, of the need to achieve balance in life of public service as a means uh, for them within the Hare Krishna faith of empowering souls to feed themselves uh, with information knowledge. Giri talks about sharing uh, a feeling of connectedness and fulfillment in this life. Uh, they define faith, or they refer to a previous definition, Hare Krishna definition of faith, as an unflinching trust in the sublime, and speak about their work within Hare Krishna as a means of connecting those uh, within the faith and, and elsewhere to a higher, superior sense that is greater than themselves. Um, there's many different topics we've covered today from Identity by birth versus, versus choice, the topic of personal transformation, our collective responsibility for those in need. But overall, the general themes of the conversation are the need to help one find, I guess there's four relationships with, uh, that we must uh, investigate and use to find happiness and love in life. And that would be a relationship with God, a teacher, a community, including a family, and self. And so, for Ananda and Giri, uh, they find themselves to be spiritual guides to help uh, those of the Hare Krishna faith and anyone else who seeks to learn from their example uh, how to tread upon a path 
to greater personal fulfillment in life. And for Geary and Ananda, that is how they advance the public interest. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you. And this has been episode 155 of Public Interest Podcast with your host, Jordan Cooper, where we interview politicians, activists, advocates, and others who seek to improve the state of the world. Please remember to subscribe at publicinterestpodcast.com, listen on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Blueberry, Player FM, Facebook, Twitter, or LinkedIn. And should you wish to communicate with Ananda or Geary, you can leave a voicemail at 240-630-0380, and that message will be conveyed to them. Thank you so much for listening, and we will talk to you next time.